10, 15 second delay before you're actually live. So um, that's probably 11 seconds, 12. Let's just hope we are live. So um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it a shot. We'll suck it and see. Absolutely. So, you know, hey, welcome uh, to new another episode of Goldsmack, the grumpy old businessman who pull no punches. I'm uh, Paul Langer, and I'm joined today again by my great mate. And I'm going to try and get the arrow right. Uh, let me see. It's that one. Yeah. Patrick. That's hey. it. <laughs> I've got to remember to reverse it. Yeah, you got, <laughs> you got it stuffed up too. <laughs> hey, mate, how are you going? Mate, I'm on the right side of the green, which is a good start, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I'm grateful for that. Ain't that the truth, mate? Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So to, listen, just let's let's look at a couple of real basics today. You know, I think um, it's pretty clear from what's been happening. Everybody, irrespective of how well they've coped or not, they've sort of realised that what they do, for the majority of them at least, they're able to do remotely. They don't need to work in a bricks and mortar office. And when this whole thing's over. There'll be a large number of people who go back to work from home or plane, train, automobile, cafe, beach, co-working space, sure. whatever. Um, so that's, and that's a humble opinion. That's a real good thing. That's been my way of being for a long time. Uh, you're also familiar with that as well. So what about a scenario where uh, lockdown is lifted in varying degrees? Uh, yet the international borders stay closed. Now, it doesn't matter if we're, you're in Australia, like we are right now, and we're an island, a freaking big island, mind you, but we're an island, um, or you're in you know, the Netherlands, you know, bordered on three sides by whatever, or Belgium or whatever, um, but the borders stay out. What does that look like? And I... Personally, I think it would be a good thing to start with, just not least of all getting the thing under control. But it will force people to realise that they have in their in, in their country a large quantum of resources that they can use to be self-dependent, at least in many different areas, as opposed to using the global factory uh, over in Asia or other global human factory centres um, for the purposes of getting their business done. What are your thoughts, mate? Look, um, it, it just seems to me that we have gone down the globalisation path, every country, not just Australia, and, and it's made us, um, it's weakened us in many, many ways. As, as we've seen here, um, our manufacturing, for example, is weak or mm -hmm. gone. A large part of it's gone. We still manufacture quite a bit, but nowhere near what we used to. So with these borders up and with 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 international trade reduced dramatically, um, suddenly you find that uh, the uh, the society you're in suddenly doesn't have the, the the products and services. The economy drops down because the money's not being spent at the local suppliers, retailers, because it's not coming in to their store. We need to be able to, every country needs to be able to, as you just said, to be able to have the capacity to ramp up and supply what they need at all times. Otherwise, they're, they're susceptible to any, this crisis, but what about the next one and the one after that and the one after that? And it seems to me that these crises are coming, uh, um, instead of every 100 years, when we had SARS, then we had MERS, now we've got this, another, another um, uh, coronavirus, these are all coronaviruses. 
they seem they're not coming every hundred years now. So it just seems to me to be very short-sighted not to have the resources for the rainy day, right? Mm-hmm. That and that's and this is what we don't have. We don't have the resources for the rainy day. Yeah, and uh, not, this is what happened with the airline yeah. industry. So I was, gonna, I was just going to say, you know, the audio industry is a really good example. Let's get into that in a second. I was just going to say briefly, you know, we see from the innovative nature of people what's been happening. You know, distilleries and breweries have been suddenly creating hand sanitizer and other sanitizers yes. because they, what do they manufacture? Alcohol. What's the main substance in hand sanitizer? 70% alcohol, right? Um, mm. Paper, toilet paper. God knows why there's a shortage. We manufacture 70, 70% or more of it in, in South Australia, right? Um, Australia manufactures or, or produces food for 130 million people every year. Our, our population six times over, right? Um, why, you know, so it just as Australia is an example, we could be self-sufficient in so many areas. Other countries, well, look at the, I mean, not, not to beat the drum of the Israelis or anything, right? For all our Arab friends out there, I'm being as, as, as neutral as I can. Right, um, they were able to grow bloody uh, oranges in the desert. We can't do and that. And they drained the swamps. And they drained the swamps. Now, you know, look at look at what the and, and now to now to give uh, uh, you know equal airtime. Look, <laughs> look what the Arabs have done in in uh, in the UAE, right? Like, okay, it's all service based, but they it's it's come out of nowhere. So that's maybe a bad, not as good example as the oranges in the desert. But anyone draining the swamps. But nonetheless, hey, I want to give equal airtime. But um, yeah, go back to back back to the uh, sorry. Just every country, I'm sure, has a certain pocket or pockets of resources and things that they can do to be self sufficient, self reliant in those areas. And this is not about protectionism. We're not and just in case anyone's going to get on the bandwagon. Oh yeah, protectionism. Ah. Absolutely not. I'm a firm believer, mate, that people uh, born in, in, in different countries, they're the, the, the stewards, the, the hosts, the shepherds or whatever of that region. And, you know, while you know, the, the, the hunger problem around the world, as with many problems, is a problem of logistics, which is probably a good segue back into the car industry, the auto industry, because that's a classic example in this country. And you know the details. Of, you want to share, we'll share that, mate? You know, the, the, that's a classic example of... Um, destroying something for the wrong reasons there's never absolutely look yeah we were told as you no doubt know that the reason we lost our you know when mitsubishi and nissan and and uh toyota ford um and and gm pulled out of this country it was too expensive to build cars in this country and we had a small market we didn't have an we didn't have an export market well that's a whole lot of garbage because we used to export huge numbers of cars to to Southeast Asia, um, to the Middle East, to America. Uh, our, our Commodore was shipped over there as a Pontiac. Um, it was very successful. They wanted their ute over there as a, as a, um, a, a Chevy ute and it, they loved it. And also the, um, you know, the um, four-door utes that we had, the crewmen, they loved them. But GM management decided not to. So I, I did some research and found that the, the wages that they pay their car workers in Italy and in France and in England, and England makes more cars now than they have ever made in their history. Toyota's over there, GM by virtue of Opel is over there, et cetera, et cetera. 
and they're paid the same wages as they were here, equivalent wages. Plus, in France and Italy, they actually had even better conditions than here. If you were a woman and you had a child, you had six months paid maternity leave. At the end of the year, you were paid an extra 13th month to help pay for your your, uh, holiday. Didn't get that here. Uh, and then they talked about the tyranny of distance, that, that, that it was too expensive to export cars to other countries. And yet the Hyundai i30 three-door is made in, in right-hand drive, is made in Slovakia, and it's shipped to England, it's shipped to Japan, it's shipped to New Zealand, to South Africa, to Australia, all the right-hand drive countries, right? So that's also a furphy. All it was was the, the, the managements of those companies have decided that um, it was, they just wanted to rationalise their manufacturing plants. I mean, look at Detroit, it's empty. They don't manufacture cars there, it's just gone. So it's not just Australia. It was about rationalising their, and then, then they blame the government. Oh, the government's not paying money, etc., into our pockets the way they used to, which is fair enough. If you're a business, you should be self-sufficient. So we've just been lied to. Time and time and time again, and that was a perfect example of how we've lost manufacturing. Um, and, and they've just thrown up these furfies that it was too expensive, too, the wages are too high, and wages has nothing to do with it. I'll give you a quick example. Take sixty seconds. Take these. Where is it? There it is. Here. Now, if I pay you hundred dollars an hour to manufacture those, <clears throat> your wage is hundred dollars an hour, and you make one an hour, then the wage component of that. Is hundred dollars correct? Right. So, right. but if I invest in the company and put in the procedures and the equipment to make ten of those an hour, it's now ten dollars wages component. If I continue to invest, right, in 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 you who's putting them together, I'm not going to make you a slave, and I'm going to make you more efficient, and I give you the equipment, the tools, the processes, etc. And now you're making a thousand an hour, stamping them out at a thousand an hour, ten cents. So wages is not the issue. It's about efficiency. It's about investing in the company. And we people here and companies here and the companies that were from outside, like in America, were just saying it's too hard. It's easier to do it from China or from Vietnam where they have invested with great equipment, with robots, et cetera. Yep. So it's not wages. It's efficiency. And I, I know, and that's what I know that you... Uh, you know, because people might hear, they say, oh, yeah, and what you're doing is you're getting rid of workers and all the rest, and I know you don't mean that because I know you and I no. think the same. There's efficient systems and processes are um, important in business for a variety of reasons, but from the, from the human resource perspective, what it does is it frees up people to do one of two things, to do more of what they love and therefore produce more of whatever it is they, they're producing, and or yep. to go and be, they had to free up their time so that they can do other things in the business that they're passionate about, that they love, which resonate with them, which are um, aligned with their vision and the corporate vision and what they, they love doing. So that you're using your talent pool to the absolute maximum that you can possibly use. And they're happy to be used in that way, utilized in that way, because they're doing things that they really enjoy as opposed to, Slave, I mean, the, the $100 an hour to produce a, one pair of glasses, just using that model, right? The one pair of glasses yeah. at $100 an hour, one pair of glasses per hour, that would be perceived as slavery 
by the person producing the one pair of glasses if it doesn't unless they're you know they're producing the world's most amazing pair of glasses and they're just the 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 the, the absolute you know tech fine technician of it and whatever right they're like the, the bugatti of glass making right um they will find that such a laborious task to have to work away because the processes aren't there to make it efficient so they'd be like oh far out i gotta produce another freaking pair of glasses i've got eight hour shift i'm gonna produce eight, eight glasses i mean you know give me a break no one wants to be doing yeah, exactly it. you know so that will be perceived as slavery versus you give them the system to be able to make a hundred of the damn things yeah or whatever now they can do it and they can do it in half the time um whatever you, you just make it a whole lot uh you make make their, their job their role their their employment so much more enjoyable for them and you free up the resource to go and do other great things in the business or simply more of the same so um yeah. and, and when go on. and when people enjoy their job right they they produce a better product or give a better service because it's they're enjoying what they're doing so it's a win 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 and win multiple wins by by investing in, in <laughs> i'm not stuttering i'm trying to put a concept across <laughs> but by investing in the equipment and the processes and the procedures and investing in the person with training and all that kind of thing and then and then involving them in 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 within the company community with activities, etc., because they're more efficient and they've got the time. This is just building a far better society. Yeah, and and that's yeah. what we're missing. We're we're talking about we're talking about the economy. We're talking about the finances. We're talking about all sorts. We're talking about <clears throat> more police, all that kind of stuff. Instead of building a society where we care for each other, where we are considerate of each other, where we take the time to be empathetic, not sympathetic empathetic to each other but that's another story for another time completely agree mate 100 percent. so um yeah guys if let's let's just start to visualize what this will look like the border let's say the borders stay up yep um international borders the state borders come down there's freedom of travel again throughout mind you <laughs> when i was a kid right there was still a, uh, I realise this is sort of ancient Roman history sort of thing, but for a lot of... Not as much as my history. Exactly, right? Hail Caesar. But when I was a kid, um, there was Good actually you, a border. <laughs> there was actually a border between New South Wales and Queensland. And when you, and, I'm, and I know between the United States as well, and when you drove from New South Wales to Queensland, vice versa, you, had, you were stopped at the border and you know there was a you had to declare what you had because of the fruit and the and, and fish and whatever else and there's still a lot of people a lot of people don't realize still to this day even if you fly in um new south wales queensland vice versa they as you're landing there are um usually announcements over the pa of the of the of the plane saying you know welcome to sydney by the way if you're carrying this then you need to you know you have to realize these are forbidden imports into that state so we still have those limitations between states but um yeah so the borders will come down between states borders will stay up um around the country of course there's still you know the ships will still come in with stuff but what if what if the supply chain you know isn't as it used to be there aren't as many ships coming in there aren't as you know what if you have to rely on local produce or 
local materials or you know, to a larger degree on local stuff. Wherever you are in the world, US, Australia, we have you know, a bit of an advantage because we have large countries, um, uh, Soviet Union, Russia, what else? Sorry, Russia, sorry. <laughs> that harping back to the old days. Um, India, these are larger countries. They got more resources potentially compared to somewhere like Liechtenstein. You know, I'm not too too, too sure what what natural re or what resources Liechtenstein has. Um, but chocolate, chocolate. Um, do they? No, hold on. That, that's I'm not sure. What that's Switzerland. That's Switzerland. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> there's probably some little monastery that makes a very boutique liqueur of some sort there. I guess in Liechtenstein. And Look, here. You know, you're right, and and we have the vast majority of everything we need in this country to produce whatever it is we need, everything from uranium down to coal, right, from barramundi down to mullet, and everything in between, we have it all. Okay, we've got gold, silver, diamonds, opals, everything. What we don't have is what we used to have in the 80s. Okay, now, in the 1980s. There was, a, there was a limited liability company, but fully government-funded uh, organisation called the ISO, the in, uh, Industrial Supplies Office. And there was one in every state in, the major, in, in all the major capitals. And a friend of mine worked at the one in Sydney. It was, it was in um, Birkenhead Point. And what they did, they had, they had a state-by-state state register of all the manufacturers and if you wanted to make a widget, for example, uh, and, and instead of going overseas with all of the inherent problems, which existed then, but may not exist so much now in terms of letters of credit, they don't use them anymore and that kind of stuff, but there were problems and stuff back then, but they could find you a manufacturer here in this state or in another state if there was none here, or a company that had the industry capacity to make it, okay? So they might not make them now, but they have the capacity to make them. Now that office is gone, and I thought that was an it was an outstanding concept. But of course, with globalization being the big push, there's no need for that, so it's gone. They they wiped it. I assume that's the reason. It was very successful. The mate of mine, who's unfortunately now passed away, um, in in one year alone, this is in the 80s, right? In one year alone, he turned 60 million dollars back into New South Wales alone, not including the other states that he turned money back into, that was going overseas for manufacture. 60 million back in the 80s. You know, mate, what I don't get, yeah. that's a phenomenal, that's a phenomenal service. That 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 organization today would be just yeah. as valid, just as relevant as it was in the 80s. What I don't that's get more so now. Yeah. Globalization aside, right now, hey I love I love the ability to go and live and, and, and travel in different countries. I've still lived outside of Australia more of my life than I've actually lived in. And I've I've been grateful for the opportunity to go and live in different countries and be a, a guest of different countries and, and trade and, and, and have businesses there. So but glo globalization aside, whilst it's great to have the access to all these different things around the world where you can do it, irrespective of the fact that you know China has been the global factory for the last how many years, and India has been the global call center together with the Philippines for the last how many years, and whatever. Doesn't it just make sense to have, especially with technology the way it is, to have 
that database in every country anyway so that your first port of call when you need to manufacture something create something whatever your first port of call is the database and it goes okay here are the local here are the local people you know in terms of in your own country state whatever and here are the international suppliers right as a second as a second choice um yep. and this is not about protectionism this is just about why why would you not invest the money in the economy in where you're living yeah we you know before you go and ship the money somewhere else we we take, we take natural resources australia again as an example we take and whether it's uranium or livestock or whatever we take natural resources from here we ship it overseas at a cheap rate and then we buy it back prefabricated manufactured in some way at a bloody expensive rate, and then we pay import duties on it. Yep. Right. Now, the car industry is a classic example of that. We ship yep. so much stuff over to various countries, and they ship us back cars, and then we get taxed on the import and all the rest of it. And that's only going to get worse without a car industry here. But uh, and 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 you know, this is we're talking from the context of Australia, but it's it's similar in other countries, right? Again, it's not about protectionism; it's about for me, it's about this. You cannot help people if you're weak and you cannot help people if you're poor. Now, neither of those have to do with strength nor money necessarily. They do have to do with mindset. They do have to mm -hmm. do with ensuring that you have a solid base on which to stand before you attempt to use that lever to lift someone else up. If you're standing, you know, if you're standing on a jumping castle trying to, you know, use a lever to, to lift up a 10 ton weight you're going to have less top less chance than if you're standing on a concrete block exactly exactly and and let's put it a, a, another analogy so you've got your household there right and you are buying things to bring into the household which is um food clothing all that kind of stuff but if you don't have a, a generator to generate your particular income and all the money's leaving, what happens to your bank account? It goes empty. So, and it's the same thing with a country. And, and again, because automotive is my particular background and trade, I was an automotive parts interpreter specialist. You know, when you're, we, we buy Australia, including trucks and buses and et cetera, around about three and a half million machines, vehicles a year. Now, you multiply that by how much they cost, and that money is going overseas, out of our economy. Billions and billions is going out of our economy. And what are we selling apart from coal and a bit of food and wheat and stuff, but by, by comparison, what are we selling that's putting money back into the community, back into our coffers? That, of course, We're not keeping the money for, for a rainy day. Yeah, because that, that's of course the argument. That the, the, whenever this comes up, those who who are pro, you know, let's ship it all over and buy it back more expensive. The argument is, oh yes, but we, you know, we sell our goods and services overseas, and that's what Austrade is for, and all this great stuff, and nothing, you know, not not detracting from Austrade and the great work that they do, not at all. You know, I've had a great relationship with Austrade for many many years. Um, that's that's the argument from the politicians, isn't it? You know, we 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 export services and products, and they're bought, uh, as well as shipping stuff overseas. You know, whatever. And people come and they spend their money in this country. You know, 
we we moved to back to back, I moved back to Australia. My wife Pauline, she moved with me. <laughs> it was she emigrated to Australia. Very time. convenient. It was, wasn't it? You know, um, that was two thousand and six. So that's fourteen years. We have the stuff that we have since then. We've obviously bought a lot of stuff, um, and we brought a lot of stuff with us. The stuff that we brought with us that was purchased in and purchased and manufactured in countries such as Germany, Netherlands, or uh, Belgium, somewhere in Europe, right? France, UK, whatever. Um, we still have a lot of it today, and it's in great nick, especially you know, kitchen stuff. And, and it's a good example of kitchen stuff, right? Because we have you know, pots and pans and, and, and even, even pots we bought in Egypt, mind you, they're phenomenal. Um, they're just really well manufactured. Yet we've bought stuff in this country, which has been manufactured in one of the global factories, yeah, um, yep. and it lasts six months. Clothes, mm. another example, clothes. Made in some, you know, you, you, you hope not, but we all know if, if, if brand name sports shoes can be made in sweatshops, God knows what's happening with the clothes that you buy in all these, these department stores, which go for a song, right? Um, clothes that we bought, we came back and go, oh, wow, these clothes are really cheap. Well, six months later, we, we figured out why. <laughs> you know? And then, yeah. I mean, I've, I've got I've got clothes quite apart from losing weight and they didn't get worn for a while. But I have clothes which um, I've had from Europe and they fit me and look as good as new, which I had before we moved back here. Yet clothes we buy here, unless you spend a, you know a good good buck or two on them, clothes you buy here just don't last. You get the season out of them if you're lucky. You get two by the time the end of the second season comes around. You know. Um, they're looking pretty shabby. And it's the same with any product that comes out of the global factories, as opposed to something which is made, you know, it'd be nice if it was everything was artisanal, that sort of thing. It was made with that level of quality. But, and you can do that at a high level. You can you can make quality in, in a mass-produced way. And a great example of that is beer. Actually, I should have a beer right now. It would be great. A beer is a great... <laughs> Look at, you know, what what happens in this country, right? Um, Four Pines is probably the one exception for most, for at least for one of their beers. Their, their pale ale has been pretty much left alone, I think. But um, most what happens with most breweries in this country, craft breweries, when they get taken over by the big companies, which is inevitably what happens, the accountants come in and you get bookkeeping beer, Right. And it's not beer that the bookkeepers drink necessarily. It's the beer that they go, the bean counter beer, right? They go and suddenly consolidate and, 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 and weigh things up and figure out, oh, we can make this a lot cheaper by doing X. And it's not just about, you know, power, uh, purchasing power. It's, no, they go and cut quality. And the argument is, oh, in order to create, create, uh, produce en masse, you have to go and do this, which ultimately reduces quality. And that's bullshit. Look at Germany, right? So, you know, I, and there are breweries in Germany where I don't, I, I wouldn't drink their beer as well. But the greater majority of German breweries produce a massive amount of beer at a really good quality. And they, so they're producing it at scale. So you can produce a scale and quality, whether it's beer, cars, 
clothes, whatever. It doesn't have to be the monk getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning to go and tend the fields. It can be a, a commercial process-based systemized business, mass producing stuff at quality and it can be done in any country, including, for example, Australia, where the cost doesn't get out of hand. I get off my soapbox, sorry. I'm just... It's all right, no, no, I agree with you entirely. Look, and again, coming back to my trade, my industry, um, I can tell you with, with, with con complete sincerity that the last of the Commodores, the, the VF, <clears throat> and and the the last of the Falcons, right? Yeah, were world class cars, absolutely world class. And that Barra engine that went into the Ford, that <clears throat> the six cylinder engine, I'm telling you, is probably the best six cylinder engine in the world. It can yeah. produce. They've got yeah. them in street cars producing fifteen hundred horsepower reliably that your grandmother can drive. Okay, it's that strong. It's it's a brilliant engine. And the Commodore, the last series Commodore. With their multi-point front suspension setup, that was just an magic, a magic handling motor car. The fit and finish was fantastic. It was a great size. It was economical. I mean, the V8 was on a trip was getting like eight and a half to eight point seven liters per hundred kilometers. A V8, right? The problem we have is that people want to buy a six dollar t-shirt, not a twenty dollar t-shirt. Um, there's a particular demographic in this country which represents, for example, in Sydney, they represent almost 11% of the population. I won't say who it is, but I'm just saying what is. It is what it is, but people say you're being racist and I'm not. But they, you'll never see one of them, not one of them, in a Falcon or a Commodore, ever. They'll be in an Asian car or they'll be in a BMW or a Mercedes. Although, shock upon truck, I saw one that was in a Jag once. Must have had a bad day, I guess. Um, my point is we need to educate our people, our population, that if you pay uh, $15 instead of $5 for a T-shirt, that T-shirt is going to last you for four years instead of six months. It's actually cheaper. Um, we used to have Fletcher Jones. Yeah. They made yeah. clothes, right? And they made great quality clothes. And you could take them back two years, three years later and say, I need them to be adjusted because my weight's dropped or my weight's gone up or whatever, or the zipper's break, they would fix it for free, okay? Lifetime warranty. They went out of business. Why? Because we started saying, oh, I want to save money, right, so that I can buy more McDonald's hamburgers or because I can spend more on my $150 hairdo. Not me or you, obviously, but... That it's just false economy because if we don't have a healthy, stable um, uh, economy, then we all suffer greatly. And at the moment, our problem with our economy is that it's being run by dogmas and isms rather than capital R right or capital T true or capital G good decisions. It's about isms um, and, it's, and it shouldn't be that. It should be about what is appropriate for the country, not what's appropriate within our thinking, our, our dogma, whether it's right or left or centre or whatever. Just do the right damn thing, you know, and, and we need to start looking at, at saving for a rainy day. I mean, I was looking, saw an article recently on the airline industry. So have got their hand out, their hand out 
for money, okay? But why have they got their hand out? Well, because the vast majority of them have spent the billions they had in cash reserves over the last five, six years to buy back their own stock, which has left them cash poor, right? Now, I don't know whether buying back your stock makes you a stronger company or not. That's not my field of expertise or educational training. But I know this much in basic common sense terms, if you don't have a reserve of cash, then when the hard times come, as in now, you will crash. And what's happening? They are crashing, right? <clears throat> so they made a decision based upon a particular rhythm or a particular dogma of, of, of um, corporate leadership, right? There was probably the, 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 the hot dogma of the time and they went ahead with that and now they're crashing. They didn't have to crash. They had all the money to, they had billions and billions in cash reserves and now it's all gone. Just the wrong decision. And of course, um, we should maybe leave this next bit until next week because we're getting close to time. But um, you were just, as you were just saying, when you don't have cash reserves um, you know, and hit on hard times and you crash. Well, and the irony is there is not a country in the world that is actually out of debt as a as a as an entity every one of them is in debt and this is one of the topics that most, one of the, the, the yeah, one of the topics that most people don't understand that's and we're seeing some changes possibly happening in the us with the, the fed and the treasury effectively merging with what they're doing and with yes, yes. and with with the uh, um, um, rba here in australia now going down the quantitative easing route and, you know, that being sold to the Australian public is some great thing. Oh, well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that another time. Um, you know, the economy, you know, people talk about surplus and, 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 and deficit of a country. The country's always in debt. The country, if the country were, were measured by, or if a country were measured by the same standards that the government of the country measures its corporations, then the country would have to declare bankruptcy because the country... Yeah, absolutely. The, the way... And, and maybe there's something we pick up next week because I think it's a really important topic um, unless someone else wants to suggest something else, you know. But the, the, the simple structure of the way money gets into supply and where it comes from and who owes what whom, who owes what to whom, by definition, the country can never pay it back. And the definition of an insolvent company is one that can't pay its debts. Exactly. Now, no country in principle with a central bank system where the central bank issues the currency to the company, to the country based on bonds or other instruments, no country can ever pay the debt back. And if anyone wants to disagree with me about that, I invite you to come on the call with Patrick and I next week and we'll have a chat about that because I think that might be a good topic for you and I to cover next week, mate. And just on that topic very quickly, because the vast majority of countries are now fiat economies, we're just talking about a construct of paper. There is no security. There's nothing, nothing giving any substance to the value of the note, all right? We use the American dollar as our reserve currency to give weight to our money, but the reality is the way they're printing money in the States now, it's just a piece of paper because they don't have gold reserve either. Mm. The biggest gold reserve mm. is in China, 
That, they've been buying dogs like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I agree. They've been, they've been buying up all the heroin. Now, just as a small spanner in the in the machine sort of thing. And and again, we can we can we can talk about this one next week. Even though um, the current system is just you know all pie in the sky money based on is, is just paper and ones and zeros on the screen. That's all it's because majority of currencies exactly. only exist physically for about four percent of the total currency. Like the US is about four percent, about six percent of the total currency in flow is actually only available in paper or metal coin form. In Sweden it's one percent. There you go. So the rest of it is ones and zeros on the screen. And again we'll get into this. And as you said there's nothing to base it on because previously there was the gold standard. However Here's the spanner in the works, right? Mm. Even, even the goals and the sun, let's, let, let us let us then pick this up next week. The, even the gold standard is actually nothing more than pie in the sky because it's a perceived value of the gold. The gold yep. is actually meaningless, you know, and and it's mineral. Fact, it's just a mineral on the ground. Yeah, I mean, we could say tomorrow that sand. Has the highest value, in which case Australia would be pretty well in, right? Um, <laughs> and I, I Bondi much, becomes very expensive real estate. Hmm. And I, I think fresh, you know, the like uh, was it Michael Burry from um, the guy who predicted the GFC, uh, the, the movie The Big Short, gave a lot of airtime to well, yep. folks around him. Very cool movie, by the way, for everyone who wants to understand what really happened in the GFC. Um, so. And he's focused on water, and we can have that. Maybe another discussion we have a week after next. But water, for example, clean not not seawater, but clean pure water, might be more valuable soon than gold. Think about it. Anyway, um, I've see I've got you sort of quiet. That's very unusual. No, I I <laughs> thought you were going to say that too. Ah, yeah, well, that is it. We're at uh, we're at thirty eight minutes. Um, there's a clock somewhere there. I think. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we'll be we'll be. In case you're interested in tuning in next week, we'll be here, same time, same place. Uh, we'll be talking uh, next week, I guess, unless we come up with a different topic. We'll be talking either about um, uh, yeah, how how governments and business and money and all the rest of how that works, and having a bit of a chat about that. And uh, maybe the week after that, we talk about water. And gold, and and so we should include next week because it's a it, it is a commodity that's worth looking at. Is our lack of fuel security in this country and the potential for a real crisis with fuel? Hmm. Unless they follow suit, follow suit from some of those energy producing companies countries, which are now investing heavily in alternative, like you know, solar and and water and air and all that sort of stuff, because they see the incoming. You can't you can't tell me right that the Saudis. I mean, the Saudis are pretty smart. They know the end's coming. All these countries have legislated that 2030, no more cars, new cars can be sold with a combustion engine, right? No more petrol. So the Saudis, yeah. the Saudis getting a bit of a stoush, stoush with with the other countries, and it's it's said to be Russia, but who cares? It's a whole bunch of countries, and they go dumping fuel in the market. We're down to prices as cheap as it was in 2002, or per barrel. Right. Even earlier, yeah. Right, um, like twenty bucks, thirty bucks, whatever it is a barrel. Don't. <laughs> no one can tell me that the Saudis aren't being bloody clever, getting what they can, doing a money grab for the last ten years, so they can run with it. Before, of course, yeah, they'll still need oil and fuel and all this for a whole bunch of other stuff 
for the next 50 years or so, I guess, planes, trains, whatever. But the greater majority being cars. They're going to take their money and go and invest it in other things like they've been doing for a bloody long time. So, um, uh, yeah, watch this space. But, uh, yeah, we'll add, we'll add, we'll add fuel and um, to uh, the discussion. Yeah. Anyway, that's it from us, guys. Have a good one, mate. Have a great weekend, um, and we will uh, we'll talk. Yeah, I'm off you. down for two weeks down to Canberra to, to uh, consult on a parts business down there. Oh, yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. Let us know if you're able to do next week. You know, uh, we realise that you can get prostitutes and and uh, and, and uh, good good joints in Canberra. I don't know if you get good internet. Canberra. <laughs> yeah, fish week. Fish, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, know where all the brothels are, where all the, all the politicians go. Yeah, they, all, all the, the uh, adult toy stores are there and, and the prost and the brothels are there, fish whip. So they kill me, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I've been told as well. Apparently a lot of them are run by bikies or something as well. Go figure, that's where the politicians sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's not go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> let's not go there. All right, mate. Well, at least we'll get another hour on here. Yeah, at least. Hey, have a great weekend. Yeah. So travels, camera, look forward you to too. you, mate. All the best.